0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kaggy Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. Guys, I'm thrilled to introduce to you our sponsors for today's episode, and that is World Nutrition. I have worked with Wild Nutrition in the past, and I'm thrilled that they are back involved because their products are incredible. I've used them for such a long time. I'm highly suspicious of what I put in my body, but they really excel with their scientifically backed food-grown supplements formulated by women for women. With over 50 scientific studies supporting their products, you're assured of their quality and effectiveness. They create products with purpose that are backed by science and using natural ingredients of exceptional quality. From my personal experience, they've really helped me in keeping me energized and feeling balanced. So if you have quite a hectic work schedule and you need something to give you that health boost, I highly suggest checking them out. They really understand the unique health needs for women. So to get started, you can take their quick and easy 60 second Quiz online, and that's a great way to get personalized recommendations based on your specific needs. Or you can do a 15-minute free consultation with their expert nutritional therapists. This is my personal favorite because you'd be amazed by how much they can tell you in such a short space of time. So use my code Returns for 15% off your first order to begin your health journey with World Nutrition. Thank you very much for sponsoring this episode and for helping us and empowering us to be the best versions of ourselves.
1: I was working at a national newspaper, and yeah, when I went into work and I shared what I was up to in the evenings, I was in no uncertain terms told that I was a very, very silly person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Today, I'm joined by two fascinating individuals, Jen Cowney and Fiona Lensvelt, who together make literature. Jen and Fiona are both tarot readers and come at tarot from a very interesting perspective – For them, it's less about predicting the future, but rather using tarot as a vehicle to have a conversation, to look within, to think more in depth about something you might have pushed to the back of your mind. There's also a real theme in this season of Saturn Returns and tapping into our authentic selves. Sometimes what makes us tick can surprise us. It's perhaps not what we had planned or what we expected for ourselves. And I think that's what happened for Jen and Fiona. As they say in this episode, they're not from a long lineage of witches. They didn't have tarot in their blood. They were just two friends who wanted to start a new hobby together. Perhaps a learning from this is that we should all be a bit more open to being taken by surprise. I was really keen to speak to Jen and Fiona because of the overlap of astrology and tarot as an esoteric practice. Much like they gravitated towards tarot during their Saturn return, I had a similar experience with astrology. What particularly struck me about this conversation was how people are turning to tarot even though we are considered the tech generation. Tarot, at its core, is a device for connection. I love that tarot can help identify our patterns. And when we understand how the present has evolved out of the past, we can begin to predict the future. Before we get into any of this though, let's hear from our
2: astrological guide, Nora. Divination. What do you think of when you think of divination? It's a much used term used both in spirituality and occult practices, a term that stems from the Latin word divinare, which means to foresee, foretell, to prophesize. So divination finds its roots in divinare, and then the divine finds its roots in divinus, le divin, which quite literally means godly, of a god. How did we go, by the way, from words that end up having a more dogmatic attachment throughout history, a limited point of view, to divination, which essentially encompasses all that is occult and unseen, which in turn represents all that brings us closer to a more universal truth? Anyway, a very popular divination tool is a tarot, initially known as trionfi and later on as tarocchi. The purpose of most divination tools, including the tarot, is to not necessarily predict our entire future for we do have free will, but rather it helps us connect to our current energy, to what we're currently expressing and heading towards, if we so choose to. Astrology, another divination tool of sorts, helps us connect to our astral body, our subtle body. And in doing so, we recognize our cosmic blueprint. We see that the outer world and astrological phenomena such as Saturn return reflects our inner world which eventually helps us connect with our truth our inner desires and all that we are naturally inclined to. So this is the best way to approach any kind of divination tool such as the I Ching or Terra or tea leaf reading as well as energetic languages such as astrology. A bit of stardust mixed with a good dose of self-accountability if you will. We're meant to understand that even though events might seem as if they're happening to us, they're also happening for us, and they have the purpose of aligning us with the path closer to our soul's natural self-expression. And then, believe it or not, the Stern Teacher, that is Saturn, helps us uncover exactly that. During its transits and Saturn's return, it helps us surrender to the undeniable truth that, be it world events or the arts of divination, don't spell out our fates, but rather they highlight our inner divinity, the divine breath that we all possess, and the power and responsibility that come with that, so that we may act with not only authority in our lives, but also embark on a path of complete self-sovereignty.
0: Well, Jen and Fiona, welcome to the Saturn Returns podcast. Thank, Thank you. For you. Having us. I'm so excited to speak to you guys because I am fascinated by tarot. And it's something I feel that there's like a lot of synergy, obviously, between like astrology and tarot. And sometimes people use both practices at once. So I'd love to hear from you guys, first of all, how you got into it to begin.
3: Um what We were talking about getting into tarot because obviously your podcast is Saturn Returns and that period of your life and we before we came on both went through our diaries and were like what were we doing during our Saturn Returns it turns out we were learning to read the tarot and it was that period of life was when we kind of got into it in our late 20s probably for all of the reasons that many people would have at that stage in in their adulthood where everything was quite chaotic and there was some quite sort of like big changes oh my god we, we were thinking about it and if you had like a bingo card of things
1: that might happen during your Saturn returns I think between us and also individually probably we yeah. hit almost all of them house. at least
3: once but sometimes <laughs> twice sometimes we went around the bazaars and we got on there twice we absolutely did there was this period in our late 20s and we had both I think had that phase probably in our teens where you get a bit witchy and you're like, oh, I'm going to play with cards, but you don't really know what you're doing, and it's the little guidebook in the deck which just says some strange nomic things that doesn't that doesn't really mean very much. And I think at that stage in our in our late twenties when we decided to learn more about tarot properly, you know, we've known each other since we were 18, 18. 18 which it doesn't seem that young to know each other, but we're both in our mid we're both thirty five now, so it's quite a long time. It's a long time, yeah. Is we'd always sort of had that lives that walked in step with one another. We've been doing the same things and having quite similar experiences. And then at that period in our late twenties, it started to diverge a bit. Like we started to go on quite different mm. journeys. Um, like Fiona is, is a mother now. I'm absolutely not. Like we've there's clearly been some quite a section of a path there. And we sort of wanted, I guess, a hobby to do together, but also mm. something that would help us to make sense of what was going on and the narratives and, and the sort of the changes our lives were going through. And, Yeah, I guess some other people might be like, oh, what could we do together? We could perhaps start a book group or do netball. And we thought, no, let's (laughs)
0: Let's do tarot. But did you have any, because you mentioned the sort of the teen period which I think a lot of people will relate to myself yes. included, when you're sort of doing like Luigi board and kind of playing around and all that kind of thing the craft was like the coolest yeah. film and you just want to be one of those girls and like you said sometimes like you don't actually know what you're doing and I'm kind of a believer looking back like sometimes you're dabbling in things that are can be quite dark and you're not really you don't really know what you're doing or what you're calling in. So I've personally myself, when I went through that phase, I actively kind of separated myself from it because it felt a little bit dark sometimes. And then I almost like shut down that side of myself as I was growing up and then moved into a different sort of social circle and things like that. And then have perhaps like you guys reconnected with that aspect of myself more during my Saturn return. And I think that there is just a general calling to the collective to lean into these practices a little bit more. And so it's such an exciting space. But did you have, let's say in your 20s, were you practicing these kind of things or was it like a total pivot? I think one of the, we were really curious about the tarot, but if you looked at our lives, there weren't.
1: Any massive indicators that we were necessarily, like, witchy people, I guess? Yeah,
3: Like, like the moon, I suppose. I was always oh. quite like, oh, it's the full moon tonight. Let's go. That out. feels interesting. I'm going to stare at it. But nothing, there's yeah. never been any faith-based practice, any kind of witchcraft.
1: I mean, I'm sorry to be disappointing, but, like, we had <laughs> office jobs. Well, that's what I was going to
3: say. What were you doing work-wise? <laughs> I mean, still do both oh. have office jobs. But, yeah, it was... It's sort of same as you in my teens sort of dabbled in it and was like oh this is exciting but it felt a bit naughty and maybe a bit transgressive and definitely we both come from we have a very weirdly we met at 18 and we have a very similar backgrounds in that we're both um the children of military families and of like multi-generational military families so you can imagine that Really, on
0: neither side. We we don't come from you know many generations
3: of witches, and lineages psychics.
0: of yeah witchcraft, and it wasn't like you were at home and your mothers were like making potions and all that. Card. I mean, I
3: wished but my mum is. Still, I wish
0: too. She's kind of like, <laughs>
3: where did this come from? Because we fly and fix aeroplanes, and you like tarot cards, and she's. I mean, they're very supportive. In fairness, on all mm. sides, but. I look back and it's hard to tell because obviously your, your memory is imperfect, but I feel as though there had been this sense. And and for me, I'm I'm very, I don't know, I'm very into nature. I, lo- I love all the names of trees and birds. And that's always been part of my childhood and my adolescence and growing up. And I, for me, that sense of connection to the seasons and to sort of the natural rhythms of things became more and more, more and more conscious. And to going back into tarot felt a little bit like going, actually, I have had this sort of latent sense of self and, and, I don't know how to describe it. So I don't
0: want to say like witchiness. I feel like that it's not quite that. It's just well, it kind of feels like it. I mean, I don't want to sort of project my own experience, but it's like these things are testing the boundary, and especially if you've Mm -hmm. been brought up in in a very different kind of environment. But equally, I think it's about coming home to something because it is such an ancient thing, and of course, like today with a lot of people that you speak to, it gets this reputation. It's like a woo woo sort of mm-hmm. thing in new agey but actually it's not and it's the same with astrology so do you got, find that your people kind of pigeonhole you when you say that you're into this stuff and that this is what you're doing or people are like oh here we go
1: I mean, look, when, when we started reading the tarot, so we basically, we signed up together to a tarot reading course, a totally legit tarot reading course at an occult bookshop in London. Fantastic. So we were taking this like very, very, very seriously. We wanted to go back to the books and like learn the cards, their mm-hmm. true meanings, all of these sorts of things. Jen, you were working in advertising. You continue to work in advertising. I was working at a national newspaper. And yeah, when I went into work and I shared what I was up to (laughs) in the evenings, I was in no uncertain terms told that I was a very, very silly person. (laughs) (laughs) And that's absolutely fine because
3: um, I think I I felt a bit ashamed of it at the time. But um, I I mean, yeah, I think uh, I kind of was more just like, wear my strangeness proudly on my sleeve at the time that I was learning it. But then I changed jobs maybe maybe like a year after we started doing literature and I didn't tell my new job because I I was in a more senior position and I was kind of heading up Mm. like leading on an account I work in advertising and I didn't tell anyone for a couple of months because I was sort of like oh I don't know how it's going to go down if there is also a tarot reader and (laughs) um, yeah I know it came to light because there was an article that was published about us which had quite a large Double page photo of us in a magazine. And it kind of came out on the Sunday. And on the Monday, I walked into the office and the CFO from across this massive open plan thing just held it in the air and went, Jim County! Is- <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, that, yeah. I think I mentioned. And there is a thing, you do, you kind of worry about it, I think. Well, I used to, I don't so much now. Mm. But when I first started doing it, I was kind of like, I had to go, like, yeah, no, I read tarot, but don't jump to conclusions. Yeah. who I am or what I am or what I believe or what I don't believe. And now I think after several years of doing it and doing it professionally as well, we, we both I, I sort of know the look I say to someone. Oh, yeah, I read tarot. And I either get someone going, oh, that's interesting. Or you get the kind of like, she said, what? Stay away, witch! (laughs) But, But that was the
1: fascinating thing about doing this course, because I thought we'd be signing up to this course where the room would be full of people who were kind of deeply embedded in like the spirituality world. Like they would be very well versed in all matters of like astrology, crystals, all these sorts of things. And actually, a lot of the people who were on this course with us were exactly like us they were there were lawyers on the course there was like an accountant there was a teacher there was someone else who worked in publishing like these were people who didn't have any background they weren't like the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter anything like that like they just felt drawn to it and they were curious and I think everyone in that room kind of understood that there was something for them in tarot but it might not be the same thing Mm. like the tarot is. A wonderful tool. Some people use it as a tool for channeling their psychic intuition. And there are other people who, like us, we, we tend to use it more as a way of kind of telling universal stories about the experiences that we go through. So in that sense, we use it in quite a secular way Mm. but there's room in tarot for everyone that was that was kind of great and a massive surprise
3: yeah
0: absolutely so on that would you be able to explain just in case like people aren't familiar with it essentially what tarot is and to kind of debunk some of the the myths or the associations that come with tarot readers or the tarot card Yes, absolutely.
3: Um, I guess sort of the potted history of tarot is it did start life as a card game. And if you actually look at a deck, I think most people, when they think of tarot, think of a few specific cards. Uh, Things like death is one that always comes up. The hanged man. Generally, the ones that have got some of the more questionable imagery
0: are the things that (laughs) that are the lovers. The Bilovers, Lovers, yeah. Bilovers, but The yeah.
3: Lovers is actually, a, it's like the iconography is of the Garden of Eden. So it, it is also a card that's got quite a freighted sort of History. visual symbol. Um, people know those cards, they don't really know the entire deck. And the Tarot deck is 78 cards in a standard deck. And it's got four suits, like a playing card deck. So they run ace to 10. And then you've got a page, a knight, a queen and a king. There are four of those. are so the wands, the pentacles, the swords and the cups. And then you've got the 22 trump cards, which are the major arcana um, and those are the ones most people would recognize. And and originally it, it was it just a game that people played. I've got no idea how you played this game. I'll be absolutely honest with you. But I did do an event last year where it was uh, the person recording the event was, I think he was French. And he, mm. at the end of it, he was like, this is so fascinating. I've never seen the cards used this way for reading. And I said, well, what do you use them for? And he was like, just playing games. <laughs> so clearly, I think maybe in France, it's still mm. used for that. But over time and I think there's it's sort of probably lost in the mist of time exactly how it began to be used more for divination so the cards are very beautifully illustrated in the sort of the older decks actually it's only the trumps that have got significant illustration but the the suit cards also have uh, a bit of fun to them and people began to sort of ascribe meaning to them based on I think numerology sometimes astrology and it's sort of a kind of almost a collective mm. oral Tradition, I think, Fiona, you might have something more knowledgeable there to add on in terms of the early days, before, pre pre twentieth century, which is where the tarot really kind of came into its own. I think on a on a more mass level.
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting because when you look back at how tarot cards have been used over like certainly over like the last hundred years, it's especially during difficult times that mm. they seem to have become popular again. So we see a resurgence of interest at the start of the twentieth century. Um, there's another resurgence of interest in like the '70s, and I think it's fascinating that there's there's this sort of resurgence now. Mm. I think it's all about just trying to understand the narratives that are, you know, I think especially over the last couple of years, while we've been in lockdown and isolation, we've been confronting problems in our lives, and they've been so deeply isolating. We've not really had anyone to to kind of talk to about them. And I think when we turn to the tarot, it teaches us that a lot of the struggles that we face aren't just ours alone; they're they're shared. From generations before, you know, these cards are ancient. The problems that we're being shown that are so deeply relatable have been experienced by our parents, our grandparents, by other people, mm-hmm. that there are these sort of like deeply universal narratives in them. Yeah,
3: um, I mean, the cards themselves have been around since the earliest decks of 15th century. They may be earlier still, but, you know, mm-hmm. paper doesn't last that well. But the versions you see now... Uh, were primarily sort of codified in the early twentieth century by a very jazzily named um, order called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Um, quite a quite a big title, and they sort of set down the meanings or the bases of the meanings that most people would interpret or use to interpret tarot today. But it's very much a practice that is drawn over a collective set of voices over years, over generations, over centuries, and so. What I quite like about it is there isn't a sense of authorship. There isn't a thing of this person invented the tarot and they set down all the meanings. And for 600 years, we've been reading it. It's something that has always been passed down, has kind of evolved over time, has changed. And a lot of the, I think, misconceptions and concerns about it relate to it either being slightly satanic panic stuff or of it being something dark and, and scary. And it's going to tell you horrible things. It's going to predict, I mean, people think it can predict death, I think is always the biggest worry we get when you have someone coming new mm. to a tarot. that's not what you can do with these cards it's much more of a tool for reflection and conversation and almost mindfulness I think than it is for saying and next week this is what's going to happen to you
0: it's going to be bad yeah well there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I kind of wanted to to touch on one I I find it really fascinating that it's having this kind of moment again in a renaissance and and you mentioned how that kind of came about in the 70s if we were to speculate why do you think I mean, there's some obvious reasons, but why do you think it's happening now? Obviously, it's like impacted by the pandemic and the uncertainty, but we can definitely see this polarity between, you know, we've evolved on. And I remember thinking, God, we're going to be that generation that we're just all about tech. And it's like quite masculine and linear and like building things and and very material. And I was like, that's so boring. But then... On the other side, we're kind of having this moment where loads of people are leaning into these very old practices, astrology, tarot, whatever it might be. People are going to see healers. So what do you think that is about? I'm sure you guys have kind of given it a lot of thought.
1: I just think that, you know, we're all starving for connection and communication. I mean, I used to be an interviewer at the newspaper. And one of the things that I was always really surprised by was, People do desperately want to tell their story, and they desperately want to be understood, and they want to tell it on their. They want to be seen and heard, exactly. And the tarot is simply another way. It's quite a creative way to do that.
3: Also, I really liked what you said about um, Mm. the sort of the the world of tech and this sort of Mm. very digitized universe that we seem to be moving into. And I do think that these practices that are having a kind of another renaissance, it is a bit of a backlash to that. Like I definitely feel like it's people going. Okay. I don't want to live in the metaverse personally. I've no interest in that. (laughs) I'd like to see things and touch things and hold things. And, you know, whether it's crystal practice or tarot or candles or ritual, those are all very physical experiences, whether they sort of, they use the senses, they allow you to reconnect like bodily with the world. And it's very easy for us to end up wandering around, like sort of, Well, I I feel it's
0: quite reflective of, like, the masculine and the feminine, Mm. which, of course, we all possess both. And I think that we've just kind of, the masculine has taken us very far and has kind of dominated. And then we're kind of experiencing this, Okay, this, I don't, when people say, like, the future is female, I think the future is feminine. Mm. And it means that we all need to kind of lean into those aspects of ourselves, both men and women. Completely. And I think that sense of of the breaking of old structures that's been such
3: a big part of the last century and this move away from hierarchy and you know organized religion is is far less prevalent particularly in western europe and these sense of structures and and things you're supposed to do have begun to fall away and as you know with the rise of feminism women
0: particularly reclaiming and going who do i want to be what do i want to be it's it's more it's, more,
3: yeah. it's very organic i think
0: that kind of brings me perfectly onto my next thought and question which is you know I was brought up in a very Christian framework my mum is Christian I went to church most Sundays and I would say I still have my own sort of personal relationship with God but I don't prescribe to the same like things that my mum does necessarily and I think like you just said religion isn't playing such a key part in the way that it used to but human beings just have that need for for something outside of themselves to believe yes. in. And I believe that that's why astrology and these practices are kind of having their moment because as human beings, for whatever reason, call it like our soul's purpose, we, mm. we need to kind of tap into that. But I definitely think that the influence of being brought up in that Christian framework meant that I was, particularly tarot, I'd say, was viewed as like, you know, devil's work. <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes when I tell my mum, like, I'm having doing a tarot, she's like, devil's work. (laughs) And so that's something, because obviously you guys would have experienced that. And I also do believe from my own experience when I was younger, that if it is in the wrong hands, and there are a lot of people, because it's a completely unregulated industry, this whole space. So what do you think about that? I think think that's a
3: really interesting one, because... I think, personally, the, the Christian thing is so interesting, particularly because if you actually look at a deck, there's so much Christian iconography in the tarot. It's it's built a lot out of the Christian and Judeo-Christian traditions and lot of the stories that are in the deck, if you kind of get into the symbolism, are in there. And so there is always something quite interesting to me that particularly in, particularly maybe more un- evangelical Christians might be quite anti the tarot, even though it's at some point in the history of yeah. a deep connection into that faith. But it's that point of... Misuse. I think when I started reading, when we first started properly doing it, I went in a little bit kind of nervously, like, okay, am I dabbling in something dark? And then I went through this phase where I thought, no, no, this is completely fine. There's nothing weird about the tarot. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing at all. It can't be misused. And having been doing this for several years now, I definitely have heard usually stories or usually be a friend or someone I've met who will tell me about a tarot reading they've had and they'll explain what someone said to them. And I'll just think, that is. Appalling! I can't believe someone said that to you when you were in a vulnerable position, you were opening yourself to them. And I I don't think, I mean, I personally don't believe there are many people out there who are maliciously trying to go around and make other people's lives difficult. But I think there is a real danger in some cases with unethical practice of the tarot and people seeing it as a chance to, I guess, almost like show off how magical they are. Yeah,
0: we see it time and time again with people that have perhaps gifts and then mm. something happens. I don't know whether the ego gets a hold of the wheel and they get this sort of like Messiah complex and you see it happening yeah. on like different levels, but I definitely have experienced people that's like, I've got the gift. Let me, oh, let that- me tell you what's going to happen to you because yeah. I've got the gift. Yeah. And then like, it's just not coming from the right place anymore.
3: Completely. And I think that's, that's something that in, you know, in the book that we've written, we, we write about quite a bit at the beginning that you don't, you have to realize that this is not about you. When you're giving a tarot reading, it's about the person who's being read for. And that person might be you, you might be reading for yourself, in which case, obviously, you are both. The reader and the querent but if you are giving a reading to someone else your job is to hold space for them your job is to listen to be really careful with them and and to see that if something difficult or upsetting is coming up for them that you you give them the care and the compassion that they deserve in that moment rather than being like i knew it I knew it. <laughs> and, and and you know i say i i've not myself ever had a reading that went South that way in the sense of someone reading for me but I, as i have heard i have heard of it happening and i am aware of it and certainly i do always say and we always say to anyone who's starting out like you, you have to be a human being when you're reading like this is it, it is better to be kind and to stop a reading if someone is struggling um and just to for a moment say are you all right do you need a hug like I've had that situation with complete strangers Mm. before. And you just think, this person is vulnerable right now. Sometimes people who come Mm. for readings are people who are going through really difficult parts of their lives, and so. Totally, but this is
0: the thing. It's like, the I'm sure the majority of people, myself included, go to these practices not when they feel like every the times when I'm doing tarot the most I tell you the times when I'm like in crisis mode (laughs) when I went through my 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 guilty pleasure and I don't know whether it's like absolute rubbish but it really helped in a weird way because there was like there's YouTube people that do general things for (laughs) star signs and obviously there's a lot that's just like rubbish but I found two in particular that just like I would go to and I would go to them like a lot I would have a bath (laughs) I would light my incense stuff and I would just listen and it just it was when everything just felt so tumultuous and everything had been turned upside down and it Mm -hmm. gave me this weird kind of grounding and made me feel you know like we just said seen but also I think the the astrology piece made it feel like also it was part of a collective like it wasn't just me that might be navigating these themes and that made Mm -hmm. me feel a bit a, a bit less alone I guess but to the piece about people coming when they are at their most vulnerable and I've seen this I wouldn't say I've experienced it myself because you know I've been doing it on YouTube so they're not actually speaking directly to me but to people to friends I have that then become almost dependent and then Mm. they're like well I I saw Tarried and they said that I'm going to meet you know my future partner in like three years time so I'm just gonna wait and I'm like I don't know if that's a good idea and kind of conducting you know puppeteering their life and people are giving away their free will in those moments mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that absolutely the off oh, that for me is is
3: to be honest it's the worst use of tarot and I feel like I had to be we have to be careful because I was tarot is a very broad community and different people use it in different ways but uh, when I when we started out, mm. I'm I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy for eight years. I find talking therapy to be an incredibly important part of my mental health and my life, and I I'm always very open about it. And I spoke to my therapist when I started to use tarot more, and she was at first I think genuinely very concerned because she was like, <laughs> you know, she, was, she was
0: like, sorry, what you're about I, to say? I knew you me. were for issues, but I didn't know things <laughs> <for> that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you? no
3: what are you doing and I was like no no not like that and she was like I don't want you to start letting a card tell you how you live your life you've got to be authentic you've got to be yourself I'm trying to help you find who you are and be able to speak with your own voice and I actually found those conversations so useful as we began to do this because I think instinctively both Fiona and I when we were learning really rejected any sense of this card is going to tell you what you must do. And this card is going to tell you what will happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And I think we found that whenever we heard anyone talking about reading like that, we just went... Oh, we've got, en- I've got enough things like magazines, adverts, some of which I'm responsible for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the both of you, newspapers and advertising. We've <laughs> got enough people telling us what to do. <laughs> and it's But so we felt like
3: for me, and for, I guess for me, for us, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I like the way that the cards can be empowering because they can say to you, this is a story. How does this story what does it mean to you? And and do you want this story for yourself? Like you can choose to say no. You can look at it and go, Is that is that the direction I'm going in? Do I want to go in that direction? I think the cards ask you a question, but they don't give you a requirement. And yeah, I, I just I feel very powerfully that if someone comes to me and says, Right, but am I should I move jobs or should I leave my partner?
0: I'll be like, Well, which yeah, I'm guessing I'm, they do all the time.
3: Sometimes people do do that. We'll say, Well, we could we can look at the tarot, we can look at what aren't you seeing? What might you need to think more about? What is something here? And use it more to discuss and to think about rather than going, pulling a card and saying, yeah, it's the emperor.
0: And that means, dumb here." But him. do you see stuff like that and then make an ethical decision not to say, or is it that the cards actually can't tell you? There is
1: literally no card in the deck that will tell you, what you have to do so like there are cards that look very loaded like you might be having a bad day and you start telling some cards and you're like oh death great yeah lovely ten of swords yep wanted to see him <laughs> and it's you're just like oh my god these cards are just telling me bad bad things but they have no one message the joy of tarot is that it is it, it, a set of symbols not a signpost. carl Jung had there's a very good quote um that i think explains tarot and fortune telling which is when we understand how the present has evolved out to the past we can begin to predict the future, um, so that isn't fortune telling. That's kind of pattern recognition and behavior.
0: Because I, I had a, um, and I don't. I hope you won't mind me sharing this, but my, <laughs> you might, but my, my boyfriend actually, who's you know, quite traditional in a lot of ways in terms of his work and stuff, had a, had a reading, and <gasps> the the tarot reader told him a lot of stuff that was like incredibly accurate about me, and she also went on to say, and this was a while back now um and I guess at the time we were like we were dating so it's quite early on in our relationship and he he she said to him the girl that you're dating he she described me like perfectly and obviously didn't know me and then also said she was like she's not taking COVID that seriously and she needs to watch (laughs) out because she's about to get it in fact I think you (laughs) both are and then said that we were about to go on holiday together, which at the time was like not something we were thinking about and not true and felt like way too early to be doing that kind of stuff. And then so, anyway, a couple of weeks later, my boyfriend got COVID. He didn't realize, mm-hmm. then gave it to me. Oh, I, then, I'd i never had it before. He'd had it before. And I got really, really ill. And I was supposed to go mm-hmm. on a yoga retreat to Ibiza. And I ended up not being able to go because I was testing positive for COVID and I oh. couldn't. And he felt so bad, and he'd taken some time off and was going to go away himself, like separately. He then was like, "Well, how about I take you away because I've kind of ruined your things." So, it, and then we ended up going on the together. And then I remember we were looking back, we were like, "That's kind of weird because it was like <laughs> the COVID that made us end up going away together, that then also like solidified the relationship." And just it was some, one of those moments where I was like, I could never have predicted any no. of that happening and it wasn't like we were thinking about the tarot session being like oh when's this gonna happen we kind of just like yes. dismissed it mm-hmm. because I was like I don't know that sounds kind of weird and very specific but I'm like how the fuck did you know that was gonna happen
1: I mean it's, I mean that's that's, the, a, that's the, the amazing thing about the tarot sometimes
3: I think because because obviously i say most of the time that I read the tarot I don't look at it and expect that I'll see a card and that will put it, what will happen. But there have been some very uncanny experiences where I've pulled cards and the next day something's gone on and I've gone like, Oh, maybe I'm more psychic than I thought. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that's quite, I think quite nice about it. And certainly in the way that we try and speak about tarot to people who are new to it is people go, but does it work? Is it real? Like, is it magic? Is it, you know, are you tapping into something that you're sort of seeing the future? Are you a clairvoyant? And I always say like, well, I don't really know. And I'm kind of okay with not knowing. Sometimes I think it's, it's it's you know, it's a wonderful like Rorschach test where you see a card and it brings something up for you. And sometimes I think we all as human beings have this intuitive potential. For some people, it's perhaps more acute and more obvious than others. Like I have occasional flashes of insight normally where I'll be like, I've got a feeling I don't have to do that project for tomorrow because something, my waters tell me the meeting's going to move, which is not a very handy intuitive <laughs> instinct like <laughs> compared to some people so I'm not collecting lottery numbers. And I think some people are much more, like in this person who read For You, clearly more tapped into that sort of sense of what might happen.
0: But, mm. but I kind have- of like... How it's do you been... tap into that though? Because I feel like I have these weird things where I'll, pre- like I'll often have dreams about stuff, like premonition right. dreams, but they're yeah. nothing, they're really insignificant, like boring things. I'm like, that's not a gift, that's a lame gift. Like, come on, let's have something a bit more, let predict something a bit more exciting, like world events. But it's just really like minor things.
1: One of the, the exercises that we did when we were learning the tarot, and I think it's really, really valuable. It's essentially about like tuning into the symbols and just the world around you we also I mean at the start of learning the tarot I certainly did this but keeping a diary of you know the readings that you're doing what are you thinking when that card comes up it doesn't matter what the strict meaning of the card might be but how are you responding to it Mm. like why is that different today than it was last week so I think in terms of like I mean, I think for for both of us, we want to be in touch with our our intuition. What's that gut feeling we sometimes get in certain situations or or anything like that? And I think it begins by just making those connections again, ones that we often, you know, in busy modern life, when you're on your phone, you're running about, you tend to switch off yeah
3: um, but I just it's weird isn't it because part of me wants to be like intuition is a muscle that you can build but I have no idea what the training program is for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. and I think sometimes I, I just I think it comes and goes doesn't it mm. I wish there were an answer because I think it'd be really useful but as I say for me it's normally random things like I'll meet I met a friend for dinner last year um, who had a new girlfriend and he was being very coy about who it was and like who they were and as I was going home on the overground I looked at the moon and her name just came to me I texted him I was like are you dating this person and he said yes I am how did you know and I was like oh the moon told the me moon told me. I love that <laughs> you actually wish I was like I've got no idea it just came to me and I thought I'd ask <laughs> so, but I've not you know you just I think sometimes you know you see more than you realize you remember more than you know that you do there are probably tiny cues but mm. maybe it's just you know the universe
0: aligns one day and the moon just whispers
3: that's the name of your pal's new girlfriend. I I love
0: it because I think we're always looking for the sort of logical, (laughs) linear thought pattern. And actually sometimes things just come. And like you said, I think we all have that ability, but it's just sometimes knowing how to tap into it and strengthen it, which I also do think by these practices and the lifestyle that you lead enables that more. Completely. Mm -hmm. I I think tarot is a lovely way of doing
3: it. And certainly... I don't don't want to sound too much like I'm kind of like an Instagram influencer, but I feel like Tarot has allowed me to tap more into what I really feel and my authentic self and the stuff that's going on in my life. And it has been... It is a very grounding practice and it's one that encourages awareness and encourages you to look and to look for those like little symbols and those little points and those things you might not normally notice because you're too busy rushing around and trying to get the tube and sort of like do your six PowerPoint decks and then go out for dinner and blah, 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 blah. Busy, busy, busy. They sort mm. of let you stop and go, just pause. Like what's what's going on for you? What's going on in the world? But what's going on within you? So Yeah.
0: Which actually is such a rare thing for people to do Mm. because we just, you know, we numb out, we we watch TV, we're on our phones. But for people that want to actually start practicing tarot and like learning about it, how sort of methodical is it and how much homework did you have to do before you can actually start practicing
3: yeah, I wish the answer was, oh, you just have a quick look at the cards and it's fine. It is it is a bit of a process and you do have to learn it. Yeah. But one thing that I was pleasantly surprised by when we were learning, because I went in and I've got a pretty good memory, you know, read a lot of books, quite good at remembering things. But I thought 78 cards, each of which has a, like a clear set of meanings and shadow meanings and, and influences. That's going to be quite the... Quite the test, but actually the deck is very structured. So you you don't necessarily realize it until you start to read it, but the, the way the suits work, the numbering of the cards, the positions each of them holds in the deck, actually, creates quite a lot of I mean it's a bit like a grid system I think I, I refer to it as that in the book at some point I'm like tarot it's like a grid system which is deeply like non-romantic way of referring to it but if you know the number and they know the suit of the minors, that gives you an idea of what they mean and the major arcana run in a, in a linear pattern so it isn't actually as arduous as it might look from the outside yeah but also it, it probably- looks it <laughs>
0: because also obviously like I'm you know Saturn returns i into astrology but I just don't have the mind to grasp it like Nora does or people that I know I just like because it becomes so abstract but also yeah. very like mathematical almost I'm like this is just so much
3: I oh, bet wow. you do though I'm sure yeah. I think I feel like I feel like anyone could learn it it's just a question of finding the way into it work, that works for you and I mean, you you do have to know, I said that actually recently, Mm. I gave someone a tarot, their first tarot deck for their 30th birthday. And I saw her a few days later and she told me about a reading she'd done and she told me some cards that came up and I was like, oh my God, it was the Queen of Swords. I was like, what a great card for you, blah, blah, blah. blah. And she said, Jen, do you know what all of the cards mean? (laughs) And I said, yes, of course I do. I'm a tarot reader. (laughs) It is one of those things, if you just do it bit by bit, and that was how we learned it. We sort of broke them down the deck into each of the suits and then the majors, mm-hmm. and we just learned each of them in turn. And, and over time they stopped being these kind of slightly obscure cards with like, Little people dancing around them, they become like familiar friends. Mm. You know, I I just the second someone says a card, or they describe a visual card to me. Someone was talking yesterday and said, "You know, the one with the guy, and he's got he's got some swords and some others." And I was like, "The Seven of Swords," and they were like, "Yeah, probably that one." You just they become so completely different to one another that even within a couple of months of reading relatively regularly, like a couple of times a week, looking at the deck, you can learn them. So, Mm. but it is, I think it is helpful also, and and we're not just saying that because we've written a book about tarot, but we wrote it for a reason. You can't really learn them from just like getting the cards and then the little thing that's the insert because that insert has just got five words next to each one yeah. and it's pretty pointless. So, you like it is useful to whether you go online, you use YouTube, use free resources, use a book, or do what we did and really commit and go to an occult bookshop and
0: do a two month tarot course. How that's often usually- were you actually? So, it was two months, but how often did you have to go?
3: It was once a week for like three hours a week. And then we with were doing... Homework. With homework, with daily homework. So we were really committing. <laughs> yeah, we had a massive, massive folder,
1: each of us by the end of it. Yeah. Our tarot diary, like all of our worksheets.
0: People also, um, you know, we talked about how it can... Whether it can be sort of predicting the future and things like that. Because obviously people say, it's just people reading your body language or stuff like mm. that but a lot of communication is nonverbal. so to the piece around that how important is that in terms of for the tarot reader and what do you call it the querent querent the person who's asking the person who seeks so querent querent yeah
3: I think, I think it's really important i know we write about it in the book because it is something that people go oh well tarot readers are just just picking up on your subtle nonverbal cues and it's like Well, they really should be because I'm not a robot. If I'm sitting opposite someone and they're looking a little bit sad or they're looking a bit worried or unhappy, I need to be tapped into that. I need to be thinking, what's this, what's going on for this Mm. person? And, you know, I think I think we've talked about this elsewhere, but there are very few places in life where people really actively listen to you and just let you tell your story and and let you share your experience and just give you their full attention and i think a tarot reading done well is that space and, and there's a real magic in i think probably a little bit like a therapeutic space but with the absolute caveat that tarot readers are not therapists and are no replacement for them but a similar thing of being able to sit and just almost unburden yourself to someone whether they might be a stranger it's it is important
0: i love that well guys, I think that's everything. Um this has been so fascinating. I honestly, I cannot wait. I'm going to I'm going to try and start learning it. I'll let you know how I go. Next time I'll be like, "Yeah, you can do a reading for us. Yeah. We can do a reading for you." <laughs> honestly, give it a try. I think I think you'll find it easier than you think. Go for it. Well, you've definitely inspired me to do so. So, thank you so much for thank you so much for coming on the show. I absolutely loved it. Thank oh, you so thank much you for having, having us. us
3: we've loved it it's been so great to chat to you and have a lovely rest of your day thank
0: you I love what Jen and Fiona said about tarot allowing them to tap into their authentic selves and that being a tarot reader is all about holding space for the queer if you want to find out more about Litwitcher on their Instagram you can find them at Litwitcher and their book World Card is out now Saturn Returns is a Feast collective production this episode was produced by Laura Gallup and the executive producer was Kate Taylor. Thank you for listening and remember, you are not alone.
2: Goodbye.